We are at Rule 62 Studios in Bossier City, Louisiana, and this is the Grouch and the Brainstorm. Episode 31. So, welcome back. This is Mike. I'm here today with Matt. Hello. And Jill. Hey, guys. And we are recording episode 31. And I think uh, we're going to talk about service today. So, going to dive off into step 12, either in the next episode or the following episode. But I wanted to talk about service before we talked about step 12. And, hey, as I see it, this is just me. Everyone has their own recovery program. Step 12 basically comes in two parts, which is having had a spiritual awakening as the result of the steps, tried to carry the message to alcoholics, right? Try to carry that message. That's right. And then the second part, practicing the principles and all of my affairs. So when we dive off into step 12, it's more or less living the lifestyle after the 12 steps have been done and hopefully done right and carrying the message to individuals who may still be suffering, you know, and it may be individuals as a group, individuals as one person that you're sponsoring, and we'll talk a little bit about all of that when we get to step 12. What I do want to talk about today, though, is service, like just service to AA, which is not something you have to have all 12 steps completed to do. Um, I have seen folks come into, and, my, and this is my experience again, I have seen folks come into the rooms and immediately, obviously, they're not introverts. <laughs> like, I was an introvert, right? And um, immediately just take up doing something in the group, right? I, I've seen that. And then I've seen people who come in just like I did and kind of warm up to the crowd, get to know people, um, gather enough courage to maybe even just make coffee. Mm. Yeah, you know, I'll never forget. I didn't. In my, in my regular life, I don't guess I ever made coffee like just didn't make coffee and didn't drink it until I got to AA. I did not. Really? Not a, not It'll even, do it to you. I didn't, I didn't like it. I just didn't like it. And, you know, my dad would give me some when I was a little kid and I didn't like it. But I made coffee. When, and the instructions are written right there above the coffee pot. That's actually in more than one clubhouse, right? How to mm-hmm. make coffee. In New Orleans, there's an extra scoop. You know, but oh, hey, yeah. Yeah, yeah, they don't they don't like that. <laughs> a little something for Santa Claus there. <laughs> yeah, a little extra. <laughs> and um, but I made coffee for that first time and I never will forget. Like two people came in after me, and I don't even remember who they were, like, but they drank the coffee and they were like, <laughs> Who made this crap? <laughs> like, I think he's in the bathroom. Yeah. I don't know where he just came in, made coffee and left. Yeah, he left. <laughs> And I probably didn't make coffee again for a few more years. I had somebody ask me at the Quality Club not to make coffee. They're like, just don't do that anymore. I'm like, okay, my bad, dude. You I know, don't we, drink it, so I don't know. We make light of making coffee, but that is, in fact, service. Sure. So we arrive in the rooms of AA. I did. How about that? Arrive in the rooms of AA, and I'm under the impression that all these people in here just kind of know each other, got their stuff together, have a routine. I'm I'm a guest. I'm a visitor. You know, it would really seem out of place if I grabbed a mop and started mopping, or if I went in there and cleaned a toilet, or if I even took the trash out, right? It would just seem out of place. Nothing could be further from the truth. Number one, nobody knows how long you've been there. Nobody. 
right? You may have a couple old timers that do a seven day or, you know, or five day a week regimen and you don't look familiar and they may ask you, Hey, you new here, you know, but nobody is going to stop you from making coffee. Nobody's going to stop you from sweeping a floor or cleaning a bathroom. And all of these things bring us to service. And, you know, what else? Idle hands, you know, I guess I could, I could leave it at idle hands, but my first well, or idle mind. Well, my, once my hands go idle, you know, I don't know if my mind's ever been idle. We talked about that on the meditation episode, but yeah. But you know, there's there is a certain fear when we get in there that, you know, we're not gonna fit in. How do you not fit in? You know, unless you're drunk, <laughs> you're probably and even if you're drunk, there's somebody gonna fit you in. You yeah. Know? It sure. it took a while. I was very uncomfortable. Yeah. I mean, I literally felt like like NASA picked me up and dropped me off at Mars. I didn't know it's like aliens and they were talking a different language. I felt that weird. We do have our own language. We do. We do. So maybe translation of that language could be some service work. I mean, yeah. Well, yeah. you got Peggy Sue over here in the corner that can just all of a sudden out of nowhere tell you about step six. Mm-hmm. He don't even know what step six is. And Dude, I, I can barely read. Okay. So <laughs> like all that stuff on the walls, it's like, I don't oh know what y'all God. are talking about. What like, does first I have no things idea. first mean? Yeah. What? <laughs> Easy does what? <laughs> I'm like, why do they have these posters? You know, what is all this, all this stuff? Yes. So. And there, there is so many. I remember in Mandeville, there is a, uh, there's, there's a, there's two signs above the toilet. It's just, it's a shared bathroom with just a toilet and a sink. And there's two signs above the toilet. And one of them says, <laughs> this too shall pass. Oh, right. But the one below it said, toilet paper, <laughs> toilet paper located under the sink in the kitchen. And I'm just thinking at any moment, you how know, do you get to the kitchen? Somebody's going to walk out, pants around their ankles, hey, just going to the kitchen, folks. <laughs> <laughs> Those were two uh, really odd checks in advance for toilet paper. You know, it's always hindsight. Anonymous, hindsight twenty twenty, right? But um, and maybe keeping that toilet paper full can be a. Be I a think service. I think too though. Like you get in that that conversation about service work where sponsorship, you know, and that is, I mean, it it, it, it absolutely is. But I've always been one of those two that. <clears throat> the guy making the coffee or the guy taking the trash out, you know, um, cleaning up the ashtrays, doing all that kind of stuff. That's all service work. And it all involves alcoholics being able to come in a room and sit down and go to a meeting. And Mm so importance level of that, there's not, you know, yeah, I get taking someone through the steps is very important, but if you don't have these other things being done, you know, it's all, it's all a part of it. Somebody so does these things. Sure. In, oh, in every clubhouse all across America, somebody does the finances, keeps up mm-hmm. with with the, the business end of it. Mm-hmm. Somebody does the organization of the meetings, getting the stuff out. Um, who's going to read what? You know, and, and a future topic is going to be group conscience. You know, and that, that may confuse some folks out there, especially if you're a newcomer. Don't worry about that. But it will be a future because that's how we arrive at the decisions that are made because there is no governing board for Alcoholics Anonymous. That's right. There's no there's no rule makers. There's no rule enforcers. There's traditions, and they're called traditions for a reason. They're not called rules. And we go by those in order to keep us keep our organization alive. But all of these things are done by somebody, right? The coffee don't make itself. The bathrooms don't clean themselves. 
Um, and that's in every single club. And usually if you go out and hang out long enough, you're going to, you're going to see that you may have three or 400 people that go to that club over the course of a year. Right. And, um, maybe 15, 20 of them are the ones that actually dedicate themselves to that. And some of them are in a position where they can dedicate themselves a lot. Right. Sure. And uh, retirees and stuff like that. And then some who are just, hey, I'm a member of the 530 group, and this is my contribution to the 530 group. That may be something as simple as counting the money every day to put an envelope. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Making sure the money gets logged in the in the logbook or making sure it gets dropped in the safe or, you know, coffee. We, we keep going back to coffee, but coffee seems to be huge. Big deal. <laughs> yeah. Which is a stimulant. So, yeah. um, I mean, well, yeah. you know, hey. You ever been in a meeting that ran out of coffee? I don't think so. <laughs> I haven't either. I so. <laughs> have you? I, I don't drink coffee at meetings because I have one cup in the morning when I wake up and that's it. I got I got my only coffee AA story. I was working two jobs a few years ago, was real tired in between going leaving work and going to another one. I go to a noon meeting and I couldn't wake up. I was exhausted. And I was like, man, maybe I'll drink a cup of coffee. I don't drink coffee, okay? I drank that cup. I had to call my sponsor when I left. I was like, I think I need to pull over. I'm high as hell. What are these people drinking in here, man? Like, No wonder they keep coming back. I may get a DUI here. I don't even know. you know. And then that explained a lot of other people's uh, energy mm-hmm. in the room. you know. So, well, and also nicotine. Yeah. Well, I mean, hey. Well, you know. Two of the most popular stimulants. Yeah, you, yeah. you just explained. I had, a, I had an instance like that where I didn't really drink coffee. You know, I haven't been, I I just didn't. And I really, I know this is going to sound hard to believe anyone out there that knows me. I think I was about two years sober. I did not drink um, energy drinks either. And they were kind of new. You know, Monster was the big one and it was kind of new. And um, Red Bull been around for a while, but no, you know what I mean? I just didn't drink any of that. I didn't drink coffee. You know, I I, I probably drank a lot of Diet Coke. And, um, we, we was uh, me and, and Wyatt and Savannah and their mom were headed to I want to say Destin, and it was one of those all night drives where you know we we left around six o'clock six thirty and headed to Destin so we didn't get there till around two three four o'clock in the morning and I stopped by a gas station and I got some coffee and I put some of that uh, you know the squirt sweetener in it you know and a whole bunch of uh fake sugar put that in there mixed it up you know and i started drinking it on the way and i got a sensation of almost being (laughs) being intoxicated so i was like what is in that squeeze i started freaking out you know you know what's in that you know i was sweating dude when i was driving down the road it was just a little bitty cup and i was like these people drink this crap all the time some of them drink pots of it yeah i I don't uh, i don't i just don't understand that but mike man then things have changed yeah, yeah. I, I, <laughs> Mike you. made up for lost time on the energy drink. I drink a lot of. Uh, I do. I, I drink a lot of energy drinks, and uh, I think I think though too, people come in and they have that impression of like, like you said, there's a there's a group, and I don't fit in the group, and I'm gonna mess up by doing, and it and it couldn't be further from the truth, you know. And um, um, but it takes a little while of yeah. hanging out to kind of kind of meet people and and uh, feel your way through things, you know. Well, and that's how you get plugged in. Yes. Sure. Well, that's where I was going. I love it. Love the fact you said that. But for me, being plugged in was a big part of my recovery. Oh, yeah. Being plugged in. 
And, and some of these things that we hear about, like, you know, this, when we have the announcements at a meeting and people are like, you know, we're having a big party at whatever, you know, or sobriety Halloween or Thanksgiving dinner, you know, all these, if, if you're not one of those people who enjoy that kind of stuff, all these, though, are a great opportunity to provide service work. Like all of them. I agree. There, there is not one. You could be the guy who helps clean up after or the person who makes sure that the event is set up. Mm-hmm. Decorations. Know. There's so much stuff that goes on. And there's structure in there, too. Absolutely. You know, where I, I don't know about anybody else, but my, my life really didn't have, other than my, my work life, I didn't have any structure. I didn't have any, you know, make a bed after you get out of it. Or before you go to bed at night, brush your teeth or things like that. There was no real structure. And when you go in, you're going to see that these events have structure to them. And again, you're there. You're doing this. People are not going to walk up to you and say, well, some some may. So I'm not going to say it's not going to happen. But, you know, Ted, how long have you been sober? Oh, well, you probably shouldn't be setting up napkins. And nobody's going to no. do Nobody. They're, you know, matter of fact, I've heard them say, keep doing probably stuff off. like this. You might yeah. stay sober. Yeah. Yeah, it's probably the opposite, you know? Yeah, conferences, whatever it may be. I'm like, what can I do? Yeah. What can I do? And it could be like literally serving shredded cheese. You know what else I like about service part of talking about staying plugged in? No regular cheese. That keeps you plugged up, (laughs) not plugged in. (laughs) Go back to that mandible bathroom. (laughs) (laughs) This too shall pass. Uh, But, you know, staying plugged up. So I get up this morning. I had to go by the club to, to... to meet something plugged in plugged up in out something and i wasn't even going to a meeting you know but just ran by to meet with a couple people on an event coming up well i see about eight people that i hadn't seen in a long time because i usually don't go by the club at nine in the morning yeah so i'm harassing all these people all morning you know and it changed my day already just going in and messing with them and and uh and i still hadn't been to a meeting now we're doing a podcast well and in a way being around it in an unstructured way that is a manner of being plugged in though that is a little tiny meeting outside of a meeting and for me it is i mean it's just part of my life you know and there are folks out there i will i my hat's off to them they have full-time jobs and their dedication to the service is just unwavering i mean they may you know, sit on boards, sit on committees, um, go to all of these events, organize events, which I know a friend of mine down south, I know two, and one of them I actually talked to every day while he was organizing a conference. And, um, you know, it's stressful. Had to be stressful, you know, and of course it turned out just perfectly okay because that's just how it does. You know, and I, I've never met anybody on their way to confer- a conference going, this better be a good one. I've got a 10-point checklist, and if they don't meet all 10, <laughs> no, it's just not like that. There's nothing as, as quite as formal as I make it in my head. You know, it's funny, too. My favorite part of service is you watch people, and I think it does tie into sobriety, um, quality and length of sobriety, too. But I watch people around our club like Ben, Craig, guys like that. They don't – their never, names are never on a list for anything. They're never on a committee. But then all of a sudden there's an event and they're like, you look up and they're taking gar- big bags of garbage yeah. out to the dumpster. Yeah. They're doing, they're running to go get ice. And it's like, where did you come from? And they never say a word about it. You never hear nothing. And those guys do, you know, they're awesome. And there, and there's ladies like that too. I'm not, um, but that's, that's what I like about AA. It's just, you never know who's going to show up and help, you know? I never even knew service was part of AA. I didn't either. Man, my, uh, my first sponsor, his name was Dale. 
Mm-hmm. And um, and he's gone now. He passed, but he was big into into service. He's the one that got me going to uh, uh, group conscious meetings, or we call them business meetings at, mm-hmm. at half past five. But he's the one that got me going there, and he was the treasurer of the group, and he showed me how to do all that stuff. And um, he never explained to me, you know, the importance of doing it. He just said, "Hey, we're having a business meeting. It'd probably be best if you came." And then yeah, now some of them get a little heated. You know, some some business meetings get a little heated, and you don't really, you know, what? Yeah. a bunch of alcoholics in a room. Well, you know, eventually, oh thanks God. to that group conscious <laughs> thing we talked about earlier, though, they do get worked out, right? Yeah, sure. But um, but he was really big into service, and um, and you know, unity, service, and recovery, I think, are the the like they call them the three three tr- the pillars. Of- well, the that's the the. Legacies. Yeah, three legacies. And uh, the three pillars, the three legs of the stool. Apparently, it's a three-legged stool. I mean, I don't know. I've heard a tripod? That. Well, I've heard that. Like, without <laughs> one of them, the stool can't balance. Y'all ever heard that? Yeah. Yes. I've heard someone say that. I don't know if it was a speaker. Or... It was on a movie. Really? It was a movie? The tripod. Oh, what was that movie called? The Girl Next Door. Yeah. yeah. Back in the 90s, I want to say. I don't. Is that a horror movie? <laughs> no. Oh, no. I didn't see that. One. I hadn't seen that either. But they talked about the three legacies of AA. No, they oh. talked about the tripod, the um, the the metaphor, the whatever the shit it is. Jill's been in that coffee again. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, she didn't say how big that cup was. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Classic alcoholic trick. I like to drink one the a day. They come in yeah, and that, they fill up the a little a little styrofoam cup and then they leave it by the pot and just take the pot with them. You know, that's <laughs> yeah, my, I'm like, oh, yeah, here we go. So, I haven't seen anyone drinking straight out of the pot either. There's a couple that would if they thought they could get away with it. The one, the one I don't understand is decaffeinated. That's that's, that's really that's, that's like non-alcoholic. That is beer. the O'Doul's. What are we doing? A <laughs> hey clubhouses all over America. <laughs> well, I think there's one part of service that, like, a lot of people don't consider it service, and it's just being at a meeting, just being there, just sitting in a meeting. And I don't think people realize how important that is if for newcomers and for old timers. You know, the newcomer comes in and they don't realize how they're helping people that have been sober for a while. Because when I see them and I see them hurting and I see the pain and the confusion, I mean, all of it, I'm like, that keeps it real for me because I don't want to ever forget that feeling. It was horrible. You know, and two, and I'll say this, this is just my opinion, but uh, on the opposite foot of that, yes, I come in new and there's still left who's been sober three months longer than I've been alive my whole life, okay? And I just walked in. And then Mr. Joe and Mr. Jerry and people like that. Mm -hmm. And I can't fathom that amount of sobriety at all. But at the same time, as I sat in there every day doing my 90 and 90, and I go, well, if they're sitting in a meeting five days a week and they've been sober 40 years, what reason do I have for not sitting in here? Yeah, it motivates you. And definitely, definitely service. I would not have known it when I first got there. I remember Me Phil too, yeah. F. He'd been sober since 10 May 1979, and my third, my first thought was, you know, what's wrong with him? You know, why, why is he yeah, still yeah. here in 2011? Yeah. You know, the Bee Gees were we, still. We popular. love you, Phil. By the way, yeah, yeah, love Phil. But but what he said, I don't I don't know what he said besides his sobriety date that day, but what he said spoke volumes to me. 
Mm-hmm. And, and in a way that may not even speak to other people. I'm Here, here I, I was really bad off. And hell, I may still really be bad off, you know. But I was thinking to myself, I was six years old, and God knew on May 10th, 1979, that I would end up in these rooms and needed mm-hmm. to hear this. And, and I remember thinking that to myself, that, that whatever was, was working on me when I was six years old because he brought him into this room and he's still in here and we just happened to cross paths 38 years later in a, you know, not 38 years later, 32 years later in an AA clubhouse. Yeah. Cool. And, yeah. you know, to me, that is service. Of course, unfortunately, anybody with a later sobriety date after that just wasn't impressive. <laughs> You're right. Oh, he's been sober since 82. Only 35 years. No, well, and all even of these like guys. sharing. Sure. A lot of people get into meetings they don't want to share. I'm not like pointing fingers or saying there's a lot of people aren't ready to communicate yet. And I totally get that. I get it. But if you don't share your experience, strength and hope in there, then these yeah. newcomers are not going to have much hope well, and, and inspiration. Back, and even y'all, you guys um, are more than twice as long a time as I have. So when I hear y'all say things and even on here and you're like, oh, I do this. I'm like, oh, OK, then I'm not as not so bad at all. Mm-hmm. like there and and i hear uh joe and phil and whoever you know with with uh different lengths of time but i i realize they're still dealing with issues they still work on stuff and i'm like okay so so i don't need to be frustrated where i'm at it's a process it and, does it explains yeah. that it is an ongoing process you know, and through their service of sharing. Sure. You know, I, I, I will tell you this. There are certain members. I'm not, I don't want to mention anybody. don't want to be mentioned or embarrass anybody. But whenever the topic comes around, I want to hear them share because I want to hear their perspective on whatever said topic is. Whether it's, you know, I, Joe B says it, you know, when he talks about, you know, it's, it's something good. You know, I don't know. You know, it could be. It just is. Right. You know, mm, something yep. you get a promotion, you know, hey, that's good. Well, I don't know. You know, it, it, it could be it could not be. It just it just is, you know, and man, that just took my perspective. Of, <laughs> it took my big giant ego and shrunk it down and put it in a mm. in a bottle for a little while, you know, where I can understand that sometimes things just are. But that was through his service of sharing, you know, sure. so the service part of this thing, I, I you know, so many different kinds. Like we could probably do a full season on service and bring, bring in different people of, of our community who some who devote themselves to service, some who just that's what they do on their two days off or that's what they just do on 15 or 20 minutes a day during the meeting. You know, but man, it, and, and I think for me anyway, the service also made me feel important. It made me feel needed for the first time in a long time. Well, and that's that's kind of how you build esteem and that's probably what a lot of us lack when we come in is self-esteem and feeling good about ourselves and the more that we can do and get out of our heads to feel better about ourselves i mean it just i think it helps a lot um you know at first i was like well i I didn't understand like the point (laughs) which i'm sure every like a lot of people don't and they're like yeah do the coffee pick up cigarette butts. And I was just like, why, why am I doing this? And it took years for me to really realize like what was really going on. Um, but you know, that it turned into a lot much more than that because it led me to sponsorship 
Yep. Which to me is one of the ultimate uh, parts of, you know, AA of sobriety is doing that step 12, that second part that you're talking about. Um, and that's something that I continually like passed off, like, no, thanks. No, thanks. Like over the years, plural, um, I didn't think I could help someone. And, um, you know, my sponsor eventually was like, you're going to die if you don't stop doing, <laughs> don't start doing this. I was like, well, shit started doing it. And that is weird. You're having people call you and you're like, I don't want to talk. And, and, uh, and another part, uh, side to that is I'm pretty jacked up. So when I like the idle mind thing, when I sit around and I have time to just dwell on stuff, that's not good for me. No. So I found early on, the busier I can stay, the better. Well, I used to stay busy drinking, drugging, you know, doing all whatever, all kind of horrible stuff. So I had to peel that with something. So the, the worse that I feel, the more service I'm involved in because it changes the way I think it puts it in a different perspective and it's kind of selfish because I do it for me. It keeps yeah. me straight and I hope it helps somebody else. I do want to say this about, uh, Mike, he doesn't even know this story yet, but I'm going to tell him speaking. It's kind of in, involves this, but a few months ago, <clears throat> Mike was moving and talk about service. The guy's driving from dallas to here to come do this every weekend but yep uh he he gives me some bags of clothes to donate to treatment centers right the, the guys and and uh so i end up taking one bag and i had another bag in the back of my truck on the back seat and i get to the job i'm working and there's a guy comes in and he doesn't have any shoes and i'm like well i know where you know they didn't have any to give him in the uh the clothing deal so I go out there and I get him a pair of shoes that Mike had had donated. <clears throat> nice pair of shoes, by the way. Mike Mike don't play when it comes to shoes. But this guy's tickled to death, right? So he stays there three or four days, and he decides to leave. He's going to leave treatment, walking. He takes off. He comes back. Half a day, he comes back. Everything was fine. He didn't use He didn't do any of that. He comes back. I'm sorry. I shouldn't have done it in my head, blah, 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 blah. So he's sitting in there the next morning, and I come in. I'm like, man, you you left and you came back. Man, that's great, you know. And he said, uh, man, I was walking down 70th Street, and he said I was looking at them nice shoes that y'all gave me, and he said it just bothered me. And he's like, they've, they've done <clears throat> everything they can to help me. And he said, I turned around and came back, and I told him, I said, we also have GPS in those shoes. You didn't know that, <laughs> and we're tracking you everywhere you go. But, no, it was pretty cool. He said, man, I looked at those shoes, and I was like, you know what? These people been pretty good to me, and, and he came back. So, mm -hmm. it ended up graduating. So, cool. did his cool. 30 cool. days. So. Nice. I just wonder what shoes they were. I don't think. <laughs> the gray Ariat slip-on shoes. Oh. Yeah. Okay. They, they were yeah. clean. Yeah, they were, they were pretty clean. Okay. Um. You know, I was I was thinking about this, and I, that's what I was doing, playing on my phone. I wanted to make sure I didn't miss a birthday, um, uh, a sobriety birthday. But I remember early in recovery. So I have a I have a, and we talk about him. We talk about Larry and Judy all the time mm -hmm. on here, and uh, got to get them on the show. Got to yep. just you know both of them. I want both of them here, right? And um. So anyway, Larry, who is right at, I want to say his sobriety date's coming up. 
How about that? Next few days. Awesome. He'll celebrate 12 years. Wow. So he's about six months behind me, maybe maybe a week or so within that time frame. But um, he got he asked me in early recovery, I'm going to guess first year and a half. I'm, I'm not a hunter on that. Maybe, maybe the first two. But he asked me to go uh, talk at a hospital. Now, I had told my story twice. So I was an expert, right? You know. <laughs> Yeah, I, I can't remember which hospital it was. But anyway, he asked me to uh, come speak at a hospital. Apparently, he took a meeting into this hospital every other day. And um, and I went for the wrong reasons. I went, you know, because I like to hear myself talk. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and anyway, I, I went to this hospital. And, uh, you know, I was thinking I was going to have a podium, you know, and someone who uh, introduced me and all that. Nothing nothing like that. It was a sit down at a table in front of a group of people who were in a hospital and um, share your story. And I only had a couple years of story to share. You know, I'm I'm not sure, you know, I've done, I'd already done the steps and, and I really and truly did want to go, but I didn't want to go, you know, the feeling, you know, I don't want to go, but I want to go. Yep. And um, so anyway, I ended up sharing my story with these uh people in the hospital these patients and uh and after the fact everyone came up and they were asking me a lot of questions and a lot of questions i couldn't answer i i just didn't have long enough to answer their questions and i was really met worried i was going to mess them up even worse than they already were which i know now i can't do but uh i left that meeting and i remember on my way home on my drive home it put me telling my story into a whole nother perspective that I need to do this, um, one, to stay sober. I need to tell my story, but I need to share my experience, my strength, and my hope with people, right? And then offer up whatever I can do to possibly maybe sit down with them or help them on an individual basis. But this is not about me. It made me understand. Through that through that service work, it made me understand this is not about me. You know, my recovery journey is very important to me, but not necessarily to a lot of people. My mm-hmm. experience may help them, right? right? But for them to think that my recovery is important to them, it, it needs to be important to me, but my experience needs to be more important to how I can help other people. And I think that it makes more sense of what Bill was saying whenever on page 13 in the big book when he talks about... You know, I wasn't to pray for myself, you know, only when it would be to be of useful to other people. And I know I'm paraphrasing the hell out of that. I don't have my book open currently. But um, but he says that and it makes sense now. You know, my experience can help other people. And I go to these meetings in places, different places, and not the one I go to now over in Fort Worth. Um, no one said this yet, but I've heard a lot of uh, – long timers talk about war stories and how they don't like people telling their war stories and we need to stick to not the problem but the solution but it helped me hearing people tell their war stories in the rooms of AA it helped me to hear that people done some worse stuff than me it helped me to hear you know I ain't necessarily talk about drug use you don't have to mention which drugs or which alcohol or how much none of that's going to help me but whenever we the 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 symptoms of said disease, whenever we share those, whenever I hear those, how about that, from other people, then it, it doesn't qualify them as an alcoholic. It qualifies them for me to listen, I, if that makes any sense. Well, and that's part of your experience. I mean, it's just like, it's no problem like sharing that. But if you're talking about like, man, I can do so many grams of, this, you know, I was doing 400 grams of this a day. I mean, it, that's where it kind of like I goes over try to the line. steer, yeah, more to the consequences of the usage rather than the right, actual, right. you know, uh, 
Yeah. I think everybody's. Yeah, everybody, I mean, I got everybody can relate to some good consequences. Yes. And I mean, it's just, I, I thought, you know, it's kind of establishing your street cred, I guess, when you get up there. And, and, uh, but I just, I don't think, you know, oh, he only drank nine bottles of Jack Daniels for breakfast. You know, he's not a real <laughs> alcoholic, you know, that that's a waste of time. So. Yeah. Yeah. But, we got a couple of AA friends celebrating birthdays this week. We mm-hmm. do? Yeah. Who did? Couple AA friends. Oh, okay. Yeah. Well, that's wonderful. Larry, Larry's coming up this week. Okay. Larry W. No, Larry L. Oh, Larry and oh, Judy. Oh, Larry. oh, that Larry. Yeah. Larry, Larry L. So Rogers got one coming. Rogers got one pretty coming. soon. Sure enough. Awesome. That's yep. great. The miracle, yeah. the miracle year. Yeah, I would love to have him back on the show. Hey, here to tell you about me. I looked at rod the other day and said hey man happy birthday how was that first year and he goes it's my second year. yeah, like, oh, yeah. okay What's the second? <laughs> well how was the second year mm-hmm. <laughs> hopefully it was good as first oh Went my gosh quick. it's always a challenge <laughs> yeah, yeah. i forgot a whole year now what i happened? haven't i have not experienced in my in my uh length of time that i've been coming around i haven't experienced any of the uh pre-birthday jitters you know, some folks are getting close to a birthday and they get a little squirrely. Squirrely. Mm-hmm. You know, I have, I haven't, uh, I've never experienced that. I will say the one thing I have experienced is that these years fly by, mm. and they do. And w- yeah, well, the downside of that is you have to turn a year older every year in your belly button birthday before you hit that sobriety birthday so right. what started out at 38 you know i was 50 year olds were old men at the time you know and my guy to break you yeah old. i'll You're be old. i'll be 51 next month or month after next so yeah God. yeah coming up on it i remember your 50th yeah it doesn't seem that long ago yeah, it won't be long before it's 51 yeah yeah I'm deep into the Pretty much, you're, you're old. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. I get letters from AARP, and I think at 55 you get the discount at IHOP. At least my friend Jerry did. This girl at <laughs> a pizza place gave me one the other day, yeah. and I was like, "Why is the whole meal three dollars?" And she goes, "The discount." And I'm like, "What the discount? early bird special?" And she goes, "She goes, senior citizens." And I want to, how old are you? And she goes, "I'm 18." And yeah. I was like, "Yeah, okay, whatever." Well, well, I can say this: some of the another service that some of these people don't even realize they're doing is like Randy T. He is, uh, he's he's probably 15 years older than I am now, so he's probably around 63 to 65 ish. I'm not sure of his exact age. He's been sober since '96. Matter of fact, he's got a birthday coming up in February, but he, um, he, we were talking and I was just 38, 39 year old guy, you know, and he would tell me, okay, when you hit your forties, this is going to happen. And, 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 and everything he said, cause I didn't work. I, matter of fact, when I got to the rooms, I had a full head of hair. I wore hair I gel. <laughs> I wore hair gel in my hair and, um, I had a full head of hair. I had a, uh, I had, I didn't wear glasses. No glasses. So um, he said, you know, your vision's going to go out. You're, you're, you know, you're probably going to start, the hair's going to start thinning. And, uh, and I, I, of course, I hadn't seen the back of my head in years. So it was probably already gone, which gave him this inkling of idea that I'm not going to have hair. But, but everything he's told me, you know, and, and that's going to lead me off into a whole nother section of, uh, you know, these guys that surrounded me told me to get a doctor see that doctor on a regular basis, get a dentist, see that dentist on a regular, Mm -hmm. none of which did I do, none of Mm -hmm. which, you know. 
So I would be perfectly healthy had I not listened to them. Because <laughs> now I've got high blood pressure. and you got to watch, listen to them old guys, though. They're like, hey, uh, your hair's about to fall out. You're you're on your way to death. You know, <laughs> they're listing off all the bad stuff. It's yeah. like, hey, just keep that to yourself. It's kind of awesome. They've been there. No, yeah. It is. So and, it's more uh, than just AA experience. It's life experience as a sober adult. It's sure. everything. It's life. It's sobriety. It's everything. Well, I mean, these I guys can share some really good, good stuff. I highly suggest if you, wherever you go, if you've got some old timers, <clears throat> um, after a meeting, you know, if you can get them to sit around, uh, it can be pretty entertaining. We just did that, uh, Jennifer and I with, um, with, uh, one of our guys a couple of days ago and, uh, we were laughing and giggling. <laughs> it was pretty good, but they can tell you some stuff if you take the time to listen, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, they can. And and I tell you what, what they have to say is very valuable. I agree. I um, I'll tell you a funny story. When I was uh, early sobriety, this was when I lived in Monroe. Um, I think I wanted to get more involved in my group, so I went to a business meeting, and um, I suggested I really wanted to bake the cake. We had one, um, job. one job, Jill. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> bake the dang cake. Well, we had one one meeting per month, and it was always the last Monday of the month. And everybody who had a birthday, yeah, birthday. got all their business there. Yeah, and so, um, I came in and uh, suggested a cake chair. Yeah, like we, they created a cake. A, a cake. Now, is this oh a my chair god! Made out of cake, like a person, that, like a chair. You like, know, like someone in charge of the. Cake. Yes. Okay, yes. I got you. I'm with you now. And so, uh, yeah, that was one of my first service <laughs> jobs. Um, like, uh, I was the cake chair, and I made a cake every month for that group for, like, years. Really? Yeah, and I, they were always handmade. You make it from scratch? Yes. Wow. Yeah. Well, it was it was fun for me. I got to do something that I love to do, which is cook and share it with other people on their birthdays. And, like, it made people, me really happy. A lot of people would say... I can't do it because I'm worried they won't like my cake. Go, Let's go back to old timers. One time Joe walked in our club, 40 years of sobriety with a cake. Somebody yes. goes, Mr. Joe, did you make did you make that? And he goes, I made it by Brookshire's. <laughs> That's what I do. I'm going by somewhere that sells them. It was just so, something fun for me to get out of my no, head. I get it. I get it. Y'all and don't want me making one, though. Yeah, the one time I uh, when I was walking at my door, I dropped it, and so there was no cake. <laughs> That's the most Jill thing ever. <laughs> yes, it was. Hey, guys, I made a stick and leaf cake. Just <laughs> <laughs> going to eat around it. <laughs> mud pies. <laughs> made mud pies in the There are people lot. there that will still eat that cake, I promise you. So, uh, yeah. But, you know, service, service, I think anybody that you see um, – in any way, shape, or form with any type of sobriety is doing service work in this program in one way or another. Yeah, you know? and, and one thing that I like to do is um, I do a lot of going back to treatment centers, mm-hmm. going to treatment centers, telling my story. We do we have meetings, at, and Matt, you're big about this, is um, bringing meetings to treatment centers. Sure. Um, you know, I've, I've gone to schools and told my story and, and shared that with them, but I, that. That's another part of service work that is really important is is going to treatment centers, um, giving the people there some hope and that there is a life after um, treatment and it's not boring and right. lame as we all thought it would be. 
Yeah, yeah. sure. Yeah. And, and I know when I was in treatment center, several people came in and brought meetings to the treatment center, and I just refused to pay attention to them. Yeah, I, I, I did too. I just I honestly thought that I was too cool for this whole AA thing. I was in one for 90 days, 90 days plus, and all of our outside people that came in were speaker meetings. They all came in and spoke. I sat there for 90 days going, man, what a racket. They are yeah. making a killing doing this. Yeah. They've done figured this out. <laughs> you faking. thought they were getting paid. Yeah, every dadgum <laughs> one of them. And I was like, man, I'm going to get on that train. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. I'm going I'm to hit a lick on this. I got out of the, the payment so far five years into this, $0 zero. and zero cents. Yeah, yeah, become a celebrity, though. You'll get paid. Yeah, well, I mean, I guess some of those folks are uh, do all right. But, uh, you know, yeah, I finally figured out, oh, they're doing this just because it's the thing to do yeah. you know and uh i hope everybody knows we're not getting paid to do this podcast no. randy i will say this randy has doubled my salary every year i've been in sobriety in this program and yeah. it's still at zero yeah two times zero he always zero. gives me a raise every year he's like we're doubling your pay i'm like thanks randy yeah i think another part of service work that we haven't mentioned is is giving you know we pass the basket every meeting yeah. and and a lot of people may not know exactly where that goes to, and it goes to keeping the building going, keeping Correct. electricity on, um, chips. supplies. Yep, chips, all the kinds coffee, of stuff. the sugar, the yes. cups, the Big air book. conditioners, you know. So uh, I have had the honor of, of being in a, involved in a lot of that mm-hmm. over the course of the years, and in-depth involved in that. And, you know, you do think, you know, most people don't I, I don't know i can't tell you what most people think i never thought about where my dollar went whenever i put it in that basket mm-hmm. but the truth is some of these clubhouses have to pay rent yeah like they have to pay to be there because that clubhouse itself doesn't belong to alcoholics anonymous mm-hmm. it belongs to someone and we need that space yeah or that you know so we need the space and we pay the rent which is the bulk of it you know but then you've got the electricity um, you've got, if you have grass, you've got the grass being cut, you've got, um, so of, lot of that dollar, and I'm not going to do this on an episode, but of that dollar, I could break it down all the way to where this is what's left and then let an air conditioner go out, you know, air conditioners, that's, you know, that's a big expense. And then over the course of, I don't know, the, the koala club, speaking of service, you know, there's a guy named Jim C who was one of the founding members of the Koala Club, and what a service he's done for all of us, right? He's gone now. He, he's passed away, past February 16. But um, they they these guys brought me into that part where I could see the inner workings of, of where that, you know, how these. Now, if you can't afford the dollar, don't worry about yeah. it. Somebody's got you. Somebody got it. It's going to be all right no matter what. You get sober. Mm-hmm. Right. You just worry about not drinking that day and don't worry about that basket. Don't worry about any of that. But but yes, part of that is just good old fashioned. We, you know, we're self-supporting through our own contributions. We don't take we don't. Have y'all ever seen an AA NASCAR? You know, the, the NASCAR with a, it's the one swerving all over the road, <laughs> but you've got to, we don't have billboards up that say, Hey, go to the Koala club or try AA. You know, we yep. don't have any of that. So we're self-supporting. We don't get grants. We don't get, um, government funding. We don't get any of that. We are strictly that dollar that or two or three or whatever it is you give. That's what goes to just keep the basic expenses operating and coffee alone has gone up. I don't know, 15, 20% in the past few years. 
So definitely, uh, you know, things to think about, you know. And then there is just the basic service of walking up to that newcomer after a meeting and saying, uh, hey, my name is Mike. How are you? Yes. You know? that The just, meeting before, and the after. And if you're anything like me, you know, you're like, I just want to be left alone. You know, just don't bother me. I used to ass for the first year. <laughs> yeah, you're like, there's people come. I, I got to go. Philip, and I love Philip because he wouldn't bother me. He was just quiet. He's like, what's up? That's it. That's me and Philip sat by each other for a year. Well, I was under the impression, like, if I raised my hand and said, you know, this is my first AA meeting, which it wasn't. My, my first AA meeting was many years before I got sober. But I was always under the impression if I raised my hand, someone was going to try to gang save me after the meeting. You know, group. <laughs> We got a live one. Yeah. yeah. Oh, they they just surround you and bring you to a little room yeah. and shut the door. Well, I mean, and, and realistically, in early AA, you know, you had to be sponsored in. But once you made it in, that, a lot of that is what happened. But, yeah. But um, but in today's AA and the way we do it, you know, it just obviously someone's going to come up to you and see if you have any questions, see if you got anything. But they're, you know, as far as gang saving me, um, Phil, Phil, Phil F came up to me and asked me if I had a big book. And I said, yes. And he told me to go home and read the doctor's opinion. And a very important decision was made that day. Do I, do I just say, yes, sir. And go home and continue to do exactly what I've been doing for years. Or do I say, yes, sir. And go home and actually read the doctor's opinion one more time. And that particular day, for some, some reason, unbeknownst to me, I went home and read the doctor's opinion slowly because someone that had been there told me to do it. Yeah. And it changed my life, you know. And then after a while, going to meetings, to me, I think it took about 45 days to quit thinking about me and what was going on in my head. Yeah, it took about 45 days, and then I started listening to everybody else and what they had going on. You know? Wow, that's awesome. It took me years. Well, after that after that 45 <laughs> days, it's become like this this ongoing Netflix series that just hasn't stopped because, <laughs> you know, you get involved in people's lives, even though they don't know it. You're, you're paying yes. attention to what's going on, sure. and they share, and they talk, and you see, them, you see them come, unfortunately. Sometimes you see them go, but you see them grow. You see people die. Yep. You see way more people live. Um, just some amazing stuff that, you know, if you just sit and pay attention and, and, and watch the recovery. And, and then, of course, you, you develop this fellowship and these friends and these people in the room that you're close to that you don't run from in the grocery store. If they showed up at your house in the middle of the night, you wouldn't run them off. But then through sponsorship, you develop relationships with people that almost become like your brother or your father. Um, someone who is right there, you know, and then as the years progress, it's, uh, I don't want to use the term you become equals. It's not like that. We don't do it. You know, we don't keep score, but it's more or less you, peers. you become peers, you become mm -hmm. someone that mm -hmm. you're, you're there and recovery is just as important to them as it is to you. And if someone starts to move off to the side, the other one kind of grabs them, but not even knowing, you know, and says, hey, you know, somehow that's going to happen. You're right. Hadn't been to a meeting in a week or so. And somebody out of the blue that you are really close to called you and said, hey, we're going to this meeting over here at eight o'clock. Do you want to go? And you don't. You don't want to go. <laughs> but you say, yeah, because of that relationship. And you end up going, ah, damn it. I knew I should have been going for a while. Yeah, I felt great. Yeah. But there, that, that is just another form of service, that sitting down or, or that approaching a newcomer after a meeting or just saying, hey, I'm Mike, how you doing? Or, uh, or man, sitting in that front room. I, I can never repay Dale 
for the service he did. You know, sitting every Saturday morning at this time right now, we would sit in the front room of the Koala Club for an hour or two and read the big book. We did that for probably about nine months. We did that every day for about nine months. Nice. And uh, went through the steps. It was a, roughly a step a month. And I know that sounds kind of, the equation doesn't, but it just roughly overall, it was about a step a month. Step a month. And and we just kind of, we just read the book though. You know, we read when it said read or didn't say read. We read, we wrote when it said write. We uh, prayed when it said prayed. And whenever there was some something written in italics or squiggly writing, as some people call it, um, we would actually talk about why that was in squiggly writing. Why was that important? And side note, you know, back in the day, it was more expensive to have a book published in italic. So the italic writing actually cost more to put in a book hmm. than the regular font. So and why, I don't know how it is nowadays. Probably not because anybody can do that on a you know, per- personal computer. But back then it was more, and it may be more expensive, I don't know, but it was a, uh, there was something important about it for them to be willing to, to boot up the, the money in order to make that that phrase or that, you know, that thing in italics. And some of the most profound things have come from those words in italics, you know. But he would explain to me why it was in italics. Sometimes he wouldn't know, you know. And I, I, he had a lot of years at the time. Sometimes he wouldn't know. He would find out, though, you know. And then our next meeting, it would be. So you had your little meeting with your sponsor, and that was kind of like a little series going on. And then you had your everyday meeting, and you didn't want to miss an episode of that, right? Because then you'd have to call somebody. <laughs> what happened at the meeting today? You know, and they would have to fill you in. So all of the, all of which, you know, to me, you know, just it all blends into service. Have you had the thing where you're sharing every day in your regular group? And I've had this, and then somebody come up and they go, "Hey, what happened with so and so?" And I'm like. How did you even know about that? And I realized they were listening in the past and it, you know, it wasn't even a big detail, but it was just something that it's like, Oh, people are listening to what I'm saying. That's scary. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I thought I was only listening to myself. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And it also helps me, you know, I, I can tell you, I don't know. You're going around the room, right? Sometimes we have meetings where we go around the room and, or, or they're going to call on you and, I don't know <laughs> what helped me more, like thinking about what I'm going to say, you know, because the that, whole time made me think about it, whatever it was, the topic, it made me got deep dive into my own head and think about this, which deep diving into my own head is never a good idea. But I don't know if it was that or what other people had to share and me just kind of connecting the dots on what, what was going on in my head and what they were sharing. Um, and then by the time it gets to you, you know, usually what comes out of your mouth is not what was going on in your head. I don't know how that works for anybody else, but it's just, uh, and, and the more you stick around, I, I, I the more you come, become more, I, me, me, become more comfortable sharing. I don't know about y'all, but I, yeah. the longer I was around and, and that is actually, I, I, I was not a public speaker. I'm not, you know, I don't like talking in front of people. I don't like talking in, in the crowds and stuff like that, but um, I'm required to do it in my job. I'm required to do it with this podcast, right? Mm-hmm. And all of those years of doing that, you know, the service other people gave through sharing and allowing me to share has has just helped me. It's made me better at... It's done the exact same for me. I used to not be a public speaker. I couldn't even pass speech in, in college. Um, oh, college. 
Yeah. <laughs> Pass in sixth grade. <laughs> she went to college. Man. <laughs> it's okay. Go ahead. Sorry, Joe. Yeah, I had a hard First time. First time anybody's ever been picked on for being more educated than <laughs> yeah, everybody else. Yeah. Well, I didn't mean that like. When I drove by that college. <laughs> <laughs> she was like, I could barely get out of Harvard, you know. <laughs> oh, my God, police. <laughs> barely. <laughs> Took me five years to get out of Drop Wrong Junior High, you know. that's <laughs> Struggling with that 3.9 grade yeah, point. Oh, dude. <laughs> I didn't know if that was a blood alcohol or a great point average. I'm just lucky they didn't escort me out of Walnut Hill Elementary Middle School. I didn't know if that was a blood alcohol level or a great point. Yeah, but in college you took speech? Yes. And that's like the art of giving speeches. Yes, and I and I it took me three times to pass it. And I passed with a D finally, but I did not speak before, but I also was uh, not, not sober by any means. And so now, I mean, like AA and telling my story and what I do for a living, I'm a speaker now. Yeah. That's crazy. Yeah, it is. It, 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 and I'm comfortable with it because I've done it so much now. Well, I think also it's the truth. <laughs> it's <laughs> so much more comfort in getting up there and telling the truth. <laughs> yeah. I can't, you know, you can't make some of the stuff up in our life that goes on. You know, that guest we had a couple episodes, um, Hodge, you mm-hmm. know, you couldn't make up the story I've about heard the little more guy. more people talk about the little man in his <laughs> toolbox yeah. in the Air Force Base. Oh, my God. Yeah. Well, That's if great. I had a toolbox, I would be checking in it every time I got a vehicle yeah. for a while. So, yeah, I even told someone that story at work. I was like, y'all wouldn't believe this story. I got to <laughs> tell y'all, yeah. Well, it, uh, yeah, we, we, we are not, uh, it's not boring in recovery. I can tell you that there's some good stories and there's always plenty to do. Sure. Yeah. You know, there, there is so much service that can be done. Um, you don't even have to ask someone. However, if you want to ask someone, you know, find, go to a group conscious meeting. That would be my, my starter. And you're going to hear them talk about, it could be an upcoming intergroup and this is what we need at the intergroup. Um, and I also have another one. If anybody asks you to tell your story, I always tell my story, no matter where it is. Um, you know, I'm new to that group in Fort Worth. There, and there's only about seven regulars that come every single day. I go to the noon meeting in um, Fort Worth, Texas, off McCart Street. And um, a guy walked up to me the other day and he said, uh, do you ever tell your story? And I said, I will, if you know, if you need me to tell my story. And he said, let me get your name and number because my sponsor is the guy who organizes whatever it was, you know. And um, he'll probably give you a call, see if you want to tell your story. And I said, okay, you know, and, and I, I don't turn it down because I was told early on if somebody asked you to tell your story you know tell it sometimes it takes 15 minutes Matt I get it maybe 13 (laughs) (laughs) but the longer we stay sober the more the more God stories that we can include in that story you know so I've uh I've basically been sober longer than I drank you know as far as the you know alcoholically or with with consequences ruining lives and all that stuff I've been I've drank since I was 14 years old but on a regular basis was when I was about 27. I started drinking um, majorly, you know, to where it was, you know, causing outside problems. And now I've been sober longer than that stint was, you know, and, and the stories that I could tell now are way more interesting than the stories I could tell when I was, whenever I was drinking. You know, that may be comical, which unfortunately, you know, the, 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 there are comical stories, you know, kind of like the guy in the trunk, you know, it's, it's hilarious, but on the inside, they're terrifying. Sure. Yeah. When you're that guy, you know, it, it's absolutely terrifying, but all part of, of, of service when you sit down with someone and they're willing to 
tell you that comical story, and then after they tell you the comical story, say, be honest with you, though, man, I'm scared death's going to happen again because I don't know what's going to happen to me. Mm-hmm. You know, as That's funny right. as it may sound, I may end up in jail. I may end up dead. Some, worse than that, someone else may end up in jail or dead. But I think that's, for me, coming in here and not knowing anything about AA, and I hear people tell these stories, and they've dealt with them. So it's, exactly. yeah, it's a story, but I have figured out the, the issue. Here's what I've done to move on. And it's kind of funny. I can laugh at it. Yes, it was serious at the time. It's still serious, but I have a, a plan of action to keep that at bay. So right. that was the part that intrigued me. Yeah. You know, why not laugh? We have recovered. We do laugh. If we don't do nothing else, we laugh. So we do. I try to on a regular basis. Um, so Service work, I can never tell you not to. I would never tell you not to. If anything, it just makes it more interesting and gets you more involved, keeps you plugged in. Um, we have a voicemail. Yes, we have. And, and not just a voicemail that you call. We have a voicemail. We have. We actually have a voicemail that we Yay. got from, a, from one of our listeners, a uh, new listener. So um, I'm going to play that voicemail, and then we'll, we'll close this thing out. So how about this? <laughs> Hey guys, my name is Nick, an alcoholic from Nashville, Tennessee. Um, I, I, I travel a lot and I get to listen to you. I, I just started listening to y'all. Um, and I've enjoyed hearing y'all's experience and just, just a, a good old fashioned AA talk um, on my trips. So, um, but I did want to say that I was able to meet Matt on Tuesday night in Bossier City at the Koala Club. and um, You know, that group, I, you know, I travel all the time, so I don't know anybody. And that group, I mean, as soon as the meeting was done, everybody's, you know, split except for Matt. And, uh, you know, it's, it, there is a lot more to AA than just going to that meeting, you know. Um, and some of the best times I've had in the program have been sitting outside before or after a meeting, talking to people, you know, um, and Matt, you made a, a good impression, um, to me and, and I, I, you didn't even tell me about your podcast. I had to find that out later, but, uh, you know, I, I love what y'all do. Keep it up. Once again, man, thank you very much, Matt, for making me feel welcome. Uh, y'all have a good one. And that right there is service. Yeah. Yeah. So how appropriate that we get that voicemail on a service episode. That is weird. And I'm going to tell you the backup to that story. Speaking of service, that's not my eight o'clock at night is not my normal meeting time. And one of our other people that normally does that texted at seven o'clock. That meeting starts at eight and said, I have to work any way you can do that meeting. And I did not want to do that meeting. But I went up there and did it, end up meeting that guy. So sometimes, you know, we did. We talked a while after the meeting and a uh, good guy, and we hope he comes back and sees us. So we talked about odd AA meetings in different towns. That's always a good conversation. Mm-hmm. So, But thanks for calling in, Nick. Yeah, That's awesome, man. Appreciate that, Nick. And, and just a reminder to our listeners, that voicemail line is area code 817-988-2530. 
And we have a uh, email if you want to get a hold of us by email. That is G and B Bozier. That's B O S S I E R at gmail.com. That's G and B Bozier at gmail.com. Um, can reach us. You know, we love the voicemails. We love the email. And, and you know, just <laughs> full, full, uh, full on notification. That's only our second voicemail. <laughs> so I was really excited about it. So I really do appreciate that, Nick. Um, Got to mention the countries we have listeners in. You know, we have them in Ireland. We have them in the UK, Taiwan, Bulgaria, Australia, Denmark, Saudi Arabia, Canada, and the United Arab Emirates. So I don't think we actually added any uh, anybody there, but we uh, we we just do appreciate anybody that listens. In. Absolutely, man, to listen outside of the U.S. is is that's 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 rock star material right there. So mm-hmm. that's right. We have a total of 2,924 listens. So we are six listens away from, uh, yeah, from 3,000 total listens, and we have 86 Spotify followers. Wow. Our last episode had 44, um, 44 listens so far, and that was since last, uh, last week when we released it on a Sunday. And um, this one will probably be released on a Saturday. So we uh, sent our shout-outs. We got... Uh, Ah, who we got? We got got Brian in Monroe. Yeah, we got Nick, apparently, in Tennessee. Nick in Tennessee. Um, Miss Faye. Miss Faye and her covey of sponsees that she she forces to to listen to. (laughs) Danielle. We got Danielle. Danielle, that's one of them. Yep, yep. We got Roger, and we got Deb. We got uh, Rhonda, and we got Kim. We have... Judy and Larry, and um, this episode will be uh, the final episode before Larry's recovery date. So, gonna go ahead and you know just at least send a shout out. You know we don't we don't get to claim our day until the day of, but we're gonna definitely send a shout out Larry's way. And um, I think that uh, who else? I don't want to forget anybody. I do want to say this. Uh, so I work with someone now who is Jill's roommate. I'm not gonna say her first name until she, but she's agreed to come on soon. So Mike and I are going to get to talk to her roommate in rehab, <laughs> by the way. So Mike and I are going to get to grill her on Jill. God, she saw Jill, the ugly, uh, yes, the real yes. ugly. This is going to be a fun one coming up, and she's excited. <laughs> she did say she would do it after Christmas, so um, we're looking forward to that. That's going to be pretty cool. Oh, yeah. So, oh, yeah. So, uh, so that tell wraps us how up. Jill really is. You well, know? No. We can all gather. That's yeah, right. I don't think Jill's got her own audience out there. You know, we kind of we just show up to Jill's podcast. Oh, that's right. Stop. That's right. So, uh, so anyway, that's going to wrap up another episode, Matt. Jill, appreciate it, guys. Absolutely. Um, next episode is going to be on step twelve. We are going to talk about service in addition to working with others and um, awesome. and trying to practice these principles in all of our affairs. So until next time, we have been in Rule 62 Studios in beautiful Bossier City, Louisiana, and this has been The Grouch and the Brainstorm.